0: You're listening to Sequel Cast 2 and Friends, a proud part of the Green Lit Podcast Network.
1: We're gonna go home when everything's gonna be good. It's gonna be alright.
2: After the credits roll, there's
0: always more to tell. Especially when the video sales are doing really well. From Shock Treatment to Jason X to Police Academy 6. This is Sequel Cast
2: past following a franchise until the
0: Hello, and welcome to Sequelcast to a podcast looking at movies in a franchise, one film at a time. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Bradley Shurgy. You know, every time, in a while, we do, uh, there'll be like a, a sequel to something we talked about a long time ago, and I want to kind of fill in the gaps. Also kind of a breather between longer series. So we're going to look at the fifth, uh, and presumably not the last, uh, Rambo movie. Rambo, Last Blood came out in 2019, directed by Adrian Grunberg, written by Matthew Cerulic and Sylvester Stallone, based off a story by Dan Gordon and Sylvester Stallone. Uh, with me as Thrasher.
1: And the reason I'm visiting your country is revenge
0: and alex hey you
2: know we're kind of doing like a taken stallone style though you know
0: right um (laughs) so the versions you guys saw was the extended version right i saw the extended version and in the theaters i saw the theatrical cut so i can talk about those differences but beforehand let's get some kind of first reactions and then towards the end i'll save uh Concepts for this movie that were Tossed out the window for one reason or or another Because they were going to be quite different Um, When I saw this in theater it was like On a Sunday uh, at a noon Screening I got angry because They didn't serve beer I think that would have helped the movie Um, But because they just had kids working They couldn't legally serve alcohol And uh, despite it being on the menu But that's neither here nor there uh, My friend and I were the youngest people in theater By about 40 years (laughs) <laughs> A lot of old old salts going to the theater and uh, uh, with their poor wives who are just kind of disgusted at the whole thing. And um, yeah, I think the you know I, I like the posters have this really high contrast black and white stuff with Rambo and the the straw and red letters. Uh, I I didn't like that Rambo did not have long hair like he does in the other movies. And um, the the author of the uh, novel First Blood, on which all the Rambo stuff was based on. We actually had him as a guest on a show years ago. Uh, David Morrell said this movie made him ashamed to be associated with Rambo. Wow. He really did not like it. Um, but so, I, 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 go on.
1: Well, you mentioned you mentioned the, the, the black and white on the poster. I think this movie would have been better in black and white.
0: Yeah, like super grainy. Um, Right. uh, do the push the grindhouse stuff maybe with like a sin city style where the blood is red (laughs) (laughs) that could have popped a bit yeah that would have been a more interesting look to it um and overall, i think it's okay it just doesn't feel much like a rambo movie and he talks more in the first like 20 minutes than he has like in the whole series combined Uh, yeah
2: so i was kind of confused because it's been a few years since i've seen part three first blood part three uh, and so like who are these people he's living with? <laughs> On Wikipedia it says like his like his um Yeah, his uh his maids like it's uh servant friends or something. I I it's, I it's he's
0: confused. he's
2: taken over the family
1: ranch, which has never been mentioned in the series before. Okay. Obviously left to him by his parents who have never been mentioned in the series before. Uh and they had uh Uh, a mexican woman helping them out on the ranch so obviously he kept them on and that would
0: be yes the situation they i mean so they do hint towards this very vaguely at the end of the fourth movie which is called either rambo or john rambo which i think is a lot better movie than this one frankly um but he goes back to visit his father at his family farm wearing the same jacket he did in first blood with that same kind of Ah. shaggy hair and this is presumed to be the same ranch, but I mean, it does feel like there's kind of a movie missing, or you could have used like a flashback or some setup. because yeah, it, it's was, very confusing.
2: I was like, are they have... just kindly strangers he happened upon, or something like that? Um, yeah, it was. It was, it was so like... the
0: mom had the daughter, and the mom died in childbirth, and the no, 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 the, no, the take... mom
1: died of cancer years Excuse later.
0: Excuse me. Okay.
2: Remember, it has to it has to have maximum tragedy. Yes, oh, yeah. yeah, it can't right. just be the sad kid. But yeah, that's the thing that kind of kills me is that like for like kind of like a throwaway background story, that's like a lot of depth to go it's into. It's pretty
0: important. <laughs> and um, so, I mean, Alex, what did you think of it?
2: Well, so uh, when this came out, I, I kind of remember, like okay, in twenty eighteen, they did the Halloween thing where a different director re kindled the franchise with the Mm. original director that was acting as a producer and then a year after that we had uh, another terminator kind of sequel franchise reboot with like again the original director's blessing someone else directing it and then i feel like sly was like okay let's do this with rambo (laughs) um so yeah i kind of marathon the 2008 rambo yesterday and just watched this this morning and i often wonder if there isn't this like undercurrent of, like, um, of, like, sly social uh, satire and just how ridiculous uh, the violence is. Um, I don't but, think it's satirical. I think he is completely serious.
0: I don't know, yeah. though, but you have you have jokes. Uh, we'll get into this, I, I think, later, I guess, when you talk about the story. But he says, like, oh, I, I got, got you this letter opener made of, like, Andalusian steel. The sharpest <laughs> there is. I mean, like, there's stuff like that, I think, that's ton in cheek. Right, um, I
2: mean... It's just so funny because at some points it's so dead not serious, and at other points I'm like, how mm-hmm. can anyone expect us to take this seriously? But... Although, although, point of order,
1: it is not made of Damascus steel. Okay, what is... Knowing enough about metalworking, so Damascus steel... Uh, it's most distinct feature is that the metal essentially has these amazing like ripples in it. Like it looks like something out of science fiction. That's not Damascus steel. That's just a knife. They pulled out of a prop closet.
2: <laughs> they gave the knife some backstory
0: and they do have licensed collectible Rambo knives. I saw on Reddit, someone posted uh-huh. all their mint in box Rambo knives that each cost, you know, limited edition, several hundred dollars a piece. Uh, and, I mean, the knives are certainly a thing. I mean, this, this is meant to be a throwback, I think. It's called Last Blood. The first one is called First Blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet it, it, it chickens out in, in some ways. Uh, Thrasher, what did you think of this one? I, this,
1: I, I would say this, this movie is, is a, a, a letdown, and aside from mm-hmm. the, the wanton violence, isn't really a worthy success, a successor of the, the legacy of Rambo.
0: At least the fourth Rambo, it felt more like a war movie like a lot of the other ones. Yeah, this one one
2: kind of felt like like almost like kind of like a throwback action, you know, just like a roided Mm -hmm. out, you know, gore fest. Um, This one just, I don't know, was trying too hard to give like some depth and character to a character who's, you know, the stoic badass, you know you know, kill them all like God sort of out type, you know? And then he's like the sensitive, sweet uncle Rambo, you know, he makes knives. He has turtles. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He takes, you know, uh, another big thing about this film, he's like medicated for a lot of it, which is why he speaks a lot. (laughs) Yeah. uh, And also
2: um, like tilting. I don't know if any of anyone's, you know, familiar with taking prescription medications, but tilting the bottle into your mouth is not a very effective way to take your medicine. You take no. taking a random amount of all those
0: medications. And, and and you don't carry the the bottles from the pharmacy in your pocket typically. You might have one of those <laughs> if you take a lot of different things and you get confused about what to take when or, or just also, need or you like structure, you know, you can have those things that have a, a different pocket for each day. And right. a.m. and p.m. meds.
2: And also so, it's like it was kind of offensive when there's a scene early on in the film where he chucks the bottle down and it's like once he's off his meds, that's what he's a true menace. It's like, OK, that's kind of shitty <laughs> for he, anyone that has any prescription medication or uh, mental uh, health issues.
1: Yeah, there are a couple of, of shitty implications of several things in this movie. Uh, another thing that, that so two two things that occurred to me mm-hmm. is one, did Rambo ever get a pardon in a previous movie? Because it just occurred to me, he's murdered multiple U.S. citizens.
0: Well, recall in in the first movie where he's going against the cops in uh, the town of Hope, uh, I think it's Hope, Washington perhaps? Um, Yeah, I think that sounds right. He gets arrested, and he's in jail. He gets busted out of jail by Troutman to take photographs of POWs in Vietnam in the second film. And of course, he does more than take photographs. He does more than shoot pictures, ha ha ha. So, um... (laughs) yeah but I don't think he's had a, a part. The third one he was recruited, I think, by the CIA to rescue Troutman from Afghanistan, from uh, the Russians. But, yeah, I don't That's think. Right, I mean, yeah. I don't know, to see a Rambo Lego thriller would be kind of weird., you could do <laughs> or I, I, why not do a Rambo prison movie? I'd see that, like, yeah, totally. Well, you
1: that, know that that would be an organic extension mm-hmm. of the franchise based around past actions. It just it just suddenly occurred to me. that that he's living a really good life for a guy with multiple counts of aggravated assault and homicide. (laughs) But the, and then the, the other thing that uh, really uh, jumped out, out at me, um, so, like, a, b- a big deal in the first film, because, you know, he he is, a, he is a Vietnam veteran, he is traumatized, and he has difficulty sort of reacclimating to life in the United States. And, and it suddenly occurred to me, that whole big speech he gives in the first movie about how he couldn't even get a job parking cars. Why didn't he just go back to the family ranch? What the hell was his history with his family that he didn't just go back to the family ranch and start raising horses again?
0: There must have been yeah. some bad blood there. Again, I don't know, like, if they would have done flashbacks with the de-aging on Stallone oh, in particular crazy. with the surgery he's had it, and the human growth hormone stuff, it'd look kind of weird. Um, I, I will say he looks better in this than I thought he looked in the last one in Rambo 4. Well,
1: well yeah. like, they, they let him look old, which I think really yeah, works for
0: the character. It,
2: yeah, I mean, like, he looks like an older man, whereas in the 2008 one, he looked kind of like gooey. I don't know if that's
0: like mm-hmm. oh, and, and and the other one he did like right around the same time was Rocky Balboa. He looks gooey in that one, and he kind of yeah. settled into more of a normal look. Um, what, when the BBC reviewed this movie, it described Stallone's face as looking like a boiled ham, which is a little bit unfair. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's
1: a mean, but yeah, that's my favorite food, boiled hey. ham. Don't, don't <laughs> not boiled ham,
0: all right? Boiled don't ham goes good with damn. eggs. Eh. Yeah, uh, but. <laughs> It's, I will um, not eat green eggs and ham. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think I will I will start by saying the theatrical version, when I say theatrical, I mean this is what was in the U.S. and Canada. The rest of the world got what's known as the extended cut, which is only available. The extended version is only available on Amazon Prime in the in the U.S. as of now. Uh, presumably that'll get a disc release because Rainbow Four got an extended cut. But okay. regardless... Um,
2: longer? It didn't feel like there was a lot to no, pack here. <laughs> right.
0: So... All that stuff about him rescuing the people in the beginning—that wasn't in there. It just started with them riding horses on the ranch for a few minutes, and and they cut out the conversations where he talks about his dad would sit on the porch and listen to the doors. So they cut out a lot of setup for his trauma, and at the end, when the doors were playing, it made no sense. No no context. So they cut out storyline information they also cut out a few lines of dialogue that explained more about what human trafficking was although i think this movie makes it very obvious right. and um directed by adrian grunberg who did a lot of first assistant directing for oliver stone on things like wall street 2 uh, money never sleeps and and also did uh assistant directing work on uh, apocalypto with mel gibson and wrote and directed uh with uh, mel gibson uh, get him to the gringo which i heard is actually pretty good. Um, yeah, I
2: watched the trailer for it. it. looks interesting at the very least seeing 2012 era, Mel Gibson doing his full tilt, murder everyone yeah. thing. 24 hours to get all this snow to a club.
0: <laughs> and uh, so Grunberg is um, you know, he's lived in Mexico for a while and I guess Brain's, that's part of the reason why they wanted him to do this film uh, and I think visually this has a lot less going on than some of the other pictures. I mean, this is more intimate. You get a lot of the shaky cam stuff. You get some kind of Cheesy CG where he's going at it with the hammer. Uh, yeah, lots yeah.
1: of CG blood in
0: this. Oh yeah. And yes, it was, it was and so, so did Rambo yeah. Four for that matter, but I think it seemed to work better. And
1: uh, it, it definitely did work better. Well, I think yeah. the thing that saves it is that it's used in a lot of dark environments, so the darkness kind of yes. helps right. cover up the fluid dynamics algorithm that's running on the screen.
0: <laughs> I'll say this: I think the bad guy in this one is more kind of than what we got like in the last movie. It seems not that there's a whole lot to him, but you, right. you get a chance of oh this is the bad guy this guy's bad news but why don't we start with the story because this movie does take its sweet ass time oh, setting okay. up a plot yeah. that is really simple uh, although as you mentioned thrasher it's or alex both of you mentioned it's very confusing because it feels like we're missing a few movies here yeah so, so rambo lives with uh maria and uh, the aunt of gabriella gabriella i think is about to graduate high school or something is that right
1: uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. She's getting some... ready to graduate high school and she's art and she's got a college lined up.
0: Right. That's right. And, um, her father, uh, was not a good man and lives in Mexico, but she wants to reconnect with her father and she wants to visit her friend in Mexico, Gazelle, uh, Giselle. Giselle, excuse me. And, um, Rambo's like you don't want to go to Mexico, which that just made me start laughing. <laughs> but, well,
1: everybody, well, yeah, that that's that's a strike against this movie is that it make it makes Mexico seem like a post-apocalyptic Mad Max war zone. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, mm-hmm.
0: I mean, and, I, and it wasn't even filmed in Mexico; it was filmed in Portugal. <laughs> what the hell? And none of these actors, from what I understand, well, some of these actors are. Mexican, some are Spanish. I've heard the accents are kind of all over the place as far as accuracy. Uh, I can't really speak to that, but I, I was really thrown off having Rambo speak in Spanish. Um, first right. off, you don't hear S- Stallone speaking foreign language, except perhaps Italian that much in movies. Right. And it, it, you just don't expect Rambo to talk. But, I mean, he has been on meds. It's trying to show that he's different. But what did you think about that opening scene where he's trying to rescue the people at the ranch? at the uh, it's it's like pouring down rain
1: Bef- before I answer that I do have to get this out of my system okay. hey je mappelle rambo nspa um <laughs> but okay so so the the opening i i part of me almost wishes that was the whole the whole movie cuz the opening mm. there's this intense storm coming through a mountain there's floods there's mudslides and rambo has decided to help the rescue workers so he's volunteered going out on horseback and there is You know he's running around. He finds he finds a a pretty beat up beat up corpse. uh, Realizes he's too late to save that person. Then he finds a couple who apparently were connected to that that dead person he found, and he is like, well, I gotta, and he's and he's trying he's trying to save them. the the man in the couple kind of runs off looking for the first woman because he doesn't believe she's dead, so he can't save him. He ties himself and the other woman to a rock, and they just, in true movie badass fashion, ride out a huge mudslide that comes through uh, that part of the forest, which, I mean, that, that's badass, but it also feels like, you don't know that mudslide's not going to wash away the rock you tied yourself to?
0: Right, and the people that... You know they're probably not as hell and hardy as Rambo is that he's tied to the rock. They might not survive whatever uh, comes down in, in yeah. the mudslide. And the uh, wrap up I,
1: to this scene, it, I thought was rather nice because you know you know the the you see corpses being loaded into an ambulance, but you also see that woman you know uh, talking to a sheriff. She's being wrapped in a blanket and uh, and it's just that you know I just there is there is something i think very sweet about about rambo going out to rescue people and just kind of doing it anonymously he's like oh he's just a volunteer like they don't even know his know his name and he kind of you know rides off on his on his horse it's almost it's almost very sort of like cowboy like mm-hmm. and we we don't get we don't ex- we don't exactly get that like that that right. could be a whole movie there's a natural disaster and it's not about rambo killing people it's about rambo braving the elements to save people oh my god but we only get a taste of that unfortunately
2: right and also it's like that i always say this like my little feelers go off when i catch a whiff i'm like ooh, this could be like the rambo western how cool would that be
0: mm-hmm. Seeing Sly
2: on horseback with a winchester you know like that image is really right. cool to me and i wanted to see more of that um you know and then we, we got this instead but um yeah there's a lot of uh there's a lot of cool stuff hinted that isn't really paid off that much
0: yeah and that's a it's a more interesting introduction in the actual cut it's just stallone on his horse on the ranch doing like quarter turns and horse Training tricks yeah which which you get briefly in uh the extended version so you'll maybe...
1: Do y'all like, uh, or not like? Uh, do y'all, th- does do y'all know if Sylvester Stallone like actually like has horses? Because there is so yes. much business with these yep. horses in the extended cut. I assumed it was like William Shatner renting his own horses to the production of Star Trek Generations. Are these Stallone's uh, horses? That they he's very renting? well could
0: be. But he's yeah, he's been into horses for a while, from what I understand. Like Shatner, um, so it probably is his horses. It's easier to do all that, although. When Shatner uh, rented his horses for Star Trek Generations, he charged a premium rate. Oh, wow. And the filmmakers thought they would get it for free, and he was like, no. <laughs> but, no, um, are you crazy? All right. These are my horses. Shatner's horses. Shatner's oh, my. horses. No one Oh, my. Man. It was <laughs> no fun.
1: Puts my horses on screen unless I get a taste.
0: <laughs> yeah, but so... And and you have a big thing of this movie. Rambo has a, a series of tunnels underneath the house and he has this kind of workshop Uh, it's i mean it's a literal man cave but he also goes in there when he it's unsure if the tunnels make him experience ptsd or he's just having it just from rescue not failing to save everyone in the opening scene but instead of getting clips from past movies you get this like generic vietnam war footage with uh uh you know like news clippings Uh, vintage audio playing on top and it felt that felt sort of cheap to me
1: well beyond that it's like you know his memory should be of the war not of news broadcasts he wouldn't have been able to watch (laughs) Mm -hmm. because he was in the war but yeah the the, these tunnels are so big and so extensive this is this is one of those things where i think i felt like it was a, a neat idea that went too far like the idea that he's built this like he's built this little underground lair where he feels safe that's a really interesting bit of character business but mm-hmm. they, these tunnels are so big and so complex it eventually became ridiculous to yeah. the point where i where when he's talking to uh, gabriella in the tunnels i was half expecting him to say oh yeah these tunnels i need them for the third act
0: yeah <laughs> all right i mean yeah you're doing it's a lot of painful setup for it basically turns into home alone at the end which, oh yeah. Um, you could argue part of First Blood, the first Rambo movie, was Home Alone in the Woods uh, for part of it. But, but um, the
2: thing too is that, like, yeah. like you said, it's like, oh, I'm going to use this in the third act. It's like the second, every time he puts like a rifle on the shelf, it's like, oh, I'm going to see that again. Mm-hmm. Every time we have the shotgun, oh, I'm going to see that again. And also, like you said, Thrasher, like the the idea of like you know Rambo and these tunnels and whatnot, is a cool idea. It would be a cool idea if it like reflected his fractured psyche and it was like a little dank. Little you know, hideaway from like, you know, yes, right. you know, cryptic scrollings on the wall or something. But instead it's like hey, you have your friends party down here, it's really cool, you know.
1: Well all of yeah, all of the scrawling on the wall are chalk drawings that Gabriella did when she was a right. girl. Which, which are actually kind of sweet. And like that's that again is is a contrast I feel like the movie should have played with more, just that the, you know, the, the sort of youthful exuberance and innocence, you know, contrasting with, with Rambo's violence and, and world weariness. Um and, and that's the other thing is the relationship between Rambo and Gabriella, it is so paternal. I wish mm-hmm. this movie had the guts to just give him a daughter. Make right. him Gabriella's father.
0: Yeah. That, yeah. yeah, that would have made it have a bit more to it. I mean, other you get a scene of them like horseback riding and them kind of talking. He talks about the letter opener. But other than that, you get so little between them that uh, at the end, when she dies, it's just going to, you know, it doesn't quite hit the way they clearly want it to. And it's very, very melodramatic. It's sad of course, but it isn't yeah, quite it's not the punch that you're looking for. Um and, and I mean uh, also like he tells the people to party at his place in the tunnels cuz that's going to be safer and all these things. But that also could
1: have been a movie on its own.
0: Right. Well, and then right. like they're drinking beer and stuff and it's like they're high school kids. I mean, I know there's people that parents will do that, but it's like maybe Rambo has like a get out of jail free card or something. Like, what yeah. if the cops... Like, that'd be sort of funny if the cops came to try and bust uh, him for sponsoring underage drinking.
1: I mean, Rambo never drinks That's in what this takes movie, him down. But he strikes me as the kind of character that wouldn't care if kids were drinking.
2: Right, yeah. True. It's like, as long as you're doing it in a safe, you know, environment type yeah, thing. Yeah, better to
1: and, do it at my house than at And I, what could be a safer yeah, environment than a labyrinthine
2: network of tunnels full of shotguns? Yeah, built by a guy who's like, you know, a one-man army. And <laughs> knives.
0: <laughs> Well, I'm sure some uh, some couples are there screwing around in, like, little nooks and crannies in the cave. I mean,
2: they are elaborate, you know.
0: Yeah, there's all sorts of hidey-hole uh, places. <laughs> but eventually, uh, Giselle goes to—I mean, it's a—really, talk about telegraphed scenes. It's like, oh, she's she's going to her friend's house, and then she turns the car around, heading back to Mexico— Mm-hmm. and she wants to connect to her father, which I think it's, even though everyone says, like, don't do it, he's a bad guy, it's a good impulse. But then when she meets him, it's the most, <laughs> it's it's like the stereotype, uh, like, divorce from hell kind of situation where it's like, I wish your mother never had you. Well, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah.
1: And it's such a and it's such a turn, you know, because she hooks up with her friend Giselle, uh, they who helped her track yeah. her father down. She goes there, and like her father, he he like comes up. He looks he looks like the Ron Swanson of Mexico, and <laughs> and like he he seems to have a nice wife. He lives in a he lives in he lives in like a nice but not ostentatious apartment. He he looks like a middle aged dad who probably like works in data entry, and and like right, and like he's. And like, you know, he comes out and he's, you know, he's all he's all he's all fine and like, oh, hello, oh you shouldn't have come here, you know. And, you know, finally, when she presses him, that's when like a switch is flipped and he's like, I wish you had never been born. And he just he suddenly becomes a monster. It's a full Jekyll and
2: Hyde thing. Oh, yeah. And he's like, you know, you even look like your mother for a second, like so beautiful. He's like, but I hate you. (laughs) You know, just mustache twirlingly bad.
0: And yeah, then afterwards like... she is just uh, distraught and Giselle brings her to the, the club to kind of take a load off. But secretly she's selling her friend into sex slavery.
1: Which, yeah, like they, they really like they they're, they really work hard to make everyone in Mexico seem like a monster, except for, except for that doctor and Carmen.
0: Who
1: yeah, exactly.
0: It. Yeah. The it, reporter, um, and
1: and strange, strangely enough, so the, like the 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 drugging of of the drinks and all the, the the stuff that went down in the club, that did that did hit me, but less because of how the scene was framed, and more because that effectively happened to a friend of mine. But thankfully, nothing bad happened because we mm-hmm. all went to the club as a group and we all left right. the club as a group. But it is no fun carrying a drug a drugged friend out of a club.
0: No, and I mean, this is a problem in Mexico. This is also a problem in the United States, to be perfectly frank. And um, it's, you know, you could have done something interesting about that, but it's almost like, it seemed to me cartoonish a bit. Like, you have, like, this this layer where they're all, all the yeah. women are, and uh, and, and they, they, you know, shove heroin in their veins and force them to do yeah. all these things. And it the movie is a dark movie, and you want to have that on one hand but then on the other hand you don't know gabriella that well so in a way you don't really care however when rambo goes to mexico he does a good job of like being angry and acting more like the rambo everyone expects
2: right but like the thing is is that like so the whole giselle thing is that like so i just kind of figured like maybe she's like owes the cartel money or something like that so she's like Mm -hmm. hey i'll bring you some high class you know sex slave fodder um But, like, the whole thing of, like, I'm going to lure you with the prospect of meeting your long-estranged father, and then you're going to be so distraught from this encounter, because I know this is what's going to happen, because I'm Giselle, the master Machiavellian planner of all planners, (laughs) that you'll be so distraught that I can take you to a nightclub where you'll get, you know, coincidentally drugged and carried off into, you know, a sex slavery ring. It's almost like she could have just bypassed the whole father angle and just been like, hey, come party with your your, your, your Mm -hmm. long-lost friend. You know what I mean? So like the whole father thing just seems so heavy-handed and just clunky and just very, very misguided.
0: Or even you know, what what if uh, Giselle would have gone with her to the party and the the tunnels and she'd be like, Hey, this sucks. You want a real party? Come to Mexico.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well,
1: you know what I th- think it is, is that is that the evil and inhumanity in this movie has no texture. Um Right. so like all, all of the characters in in Mexico effectively work on the same irredeemably evil level what they needed was to was to give some nuance to to Giselle like you know maybe maybe it's a coincidence that uh that Gabriella was drugged just because that's what the syndicate she's connected to does and you know right. she got distracted and wasn't able to protect her friend or you know maybe or maybe Gabri- maybe Giselle is just like complicit like she didn't know this was going to happen but there's nothing she can do because it's part of whatever gang she's connected to. It's just, yeah. And, and you know what's strange though is despite despite all this, when Rambo goes down to Mexico and and hooks hooks up with Giselle, that that scene was really creepy. Where he's just in the room with Giselle, like you're gonna tell me everything or else I'm yeah. gonna start hurting you. That was real fucked up. He
0: puts the knife yeah. into the table. I mean, they make a they don't make a huge deal of it, but. Um, Giselle was, or Gabriella was wearing this this bracelet that was her mother's, and then Rambo sees it on Giselle. But you don't like it's such a quick cut, you don't quite notice it, and they spell it out for you. Yeah, it, the twist I did like is Rambo sort of tracking people down, and uh, he's surrounded by all these uh, by the Martinez brothers, uh, kind of the drug ring cartel people, and you think it's going to be. Uh, some scene where he's going to beat the shit out of 20 people but instead Rambo yeah. like almost dies
2: yeah, I thought that was an inspired bit of business is that mm-hmm. like you know you it's I thought it was a intelligent this there's two things that I like that the movie committed to and this is one of them and it's that you know it does address the fact that you know the character of Rambo would be in his 70s maybe even more you know so like he's going to get schooled but when he's surrounded by you know, 30 40 dudes and I was thinking the same thing I was ooh how is he going to get out of this one you know how is he going to hulk out and you know, kick everyone's ass. And he, he doesn't, he, he gets schooled and is um, is brought to life by brought back to, you know, is revitalized by, um, Paz Vega, the Carmen character who, again, I'm like thinking, I'm like, Oh, is this going to be like bride of Rambo? You know, are they going to be like these like (laughs) dual avenging badasses? And like, no, Mm, she's kind of there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She'll nurse him back to health and then she will vanish from the narrative entirely.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then kind of come back, but not, (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, it's another it's another missed opportunity because like they they we see when he goes to Mexico, we see her uh, Carmen effectively stalking Rambo. And that that's something I wish they had had a little more fun with, if only because like, well, well, we know that she's not evil. Like, I wish I wish there had been some tension with the stalking. But no, she just she just serves her story purpose by helping him. Right. Recover, recover from a concussion by letting him take a four-day nap, which is what you want to do when someone's oh, totally. concussed. Um, <laughs> and you know, and she, and she even, and like she has like means, mode of an opportunity to go against the Martinez brothers and their cartel because she lost a sister uh, yeah. to their to their prostitution and and, and drug dealing and all that. Right. But but yeah, that she just she just she just vanishes. It would have been really fascinating to see Rambo work with a partner and maybe develop some emotional vulnerability.
2: Yeah, I was like, this could be really cool, you know what I mean? Like, how are we gonna contemporize? You know, the uh, a, a macho, very male-powered, you know, franchise like Rambo. Like, oh, give it a female angle. That would be kind of neat. But no, it's just kind of.
1: Yeah, but because of because of Rambo showing up trying to rescue her, the the Martinez brothers real like realize that is special to someone on the outside. So they decide to make an example of her, and it's really brutal uh because they 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 force they force her to take heroin they may they make her an addict and just leave her in this this uh this this den of vice uh and it's and it is it's it's one of those things it's it's a level it's a level of brutality uh and inhumanity i did not expect to see but it and then at this at the same time like they always keep cutting to her arm which has all the the injection points two two problems that's nowhere near a vein on when we see Mm -hmm. just the, the, like all of the, the, the injection points on her arm. But, but, but two, you inject it between the toes. Cause then no one's going to notice the injection.
2: Yeah. You're the looks like they, you know, used a freaking lawnmower to, you know, and put heroin into this girl. um, yeah, the like wrecking ball that is her track marks are like cartoonishly ridiculous. Um also like you said, I, I, I wasn't anticipating this much darkness, but it's such heavy handed darkness, it just almost seems kind of cartoonish. And again, it has this like, such a such a vulgar and like kind of demonizing portrait of Mexico that like everyone is just these sex trafficking, depraved, gun toting cartel uh, members, mm-hmm. you know.
0: I mean? Well and as as we Head towards the end of the film. You know, Rambo finds one of the brothers, uh, Victor, and decapitates him. He rescues uh, Gabriella, but she she dies uh, before they get home. And I didn't think they were quite going to do that. I thought they'd get her to right. a hospital or something. Me too. Well, one I, thing I... You're trying to push him over the edge, I think, because it's not enough <laughs> for all I... this stuff to happen. I you know, right? To...
2: Well, it's the so... Worst things a human can endure she's endured and then you're gonna kill her okay
0: well like like this this
1: type of movie they're gonna kill off the the female lead to 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 motivate rambo and and the thing is like the moment i saw her in the movie i'm like oh well she'll she'll die one of these two women will <laughs> like here on her on. one of these two women will die before the end of the movie obviously right. and yet it took so long for Gabriella to die. I was shocked when it happened. It took mm-hmm. so long. I was oh they're not gonna they're not gonna do it. This is a fake out. No, it turns out it's not a fake out.
2: Right. And one thing I thought that was actually kind of scary and effective was that when he raids the I guess, you know, prostitution ring and um, you know, goes hammer time on everyone. When he goes to the women, he's like, you know, get out, get out, get out. And they kind of have this like really freaky Stockholm syndrome thing. And they're like, no, no, they'll kill me if I do it. And I'm like, ooh, that was like, that was an interesting mm-hmm. thing to explore. And I thought that was like one other thing that the film did that was a little more intelligent, a little more um, dimensional, not like, thank you, Rambo. It's this very hard edged look at you know how how gnarly this uh this stuff can be
1: that, that hammer fight scene was was really good there was some amazing close yeah, quarters was... fight choreography mm-hmm. and like and they didn't like I, that felt like the right amount of of gore to for for when you're just hitting people with a ball peen hammer um right. or no it wasn't a ball peen hammer claw hammer uh the Although that was, this is one thing because, like, when you know, the, when one of the times Rambo comes back to Mexico or comes back to 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 his ranch, we see him have a montage of setting up stuff in the tunnels. Then he goes back and you know, well, uh, like he he rescues Gabriela, has his montage, buries her, has his montage of stuff in the tunnels, goes back to Mexico to kill one of the brothers, then returns to his ranch and does another yeah. montage <laughs> of setting stuff up in the tunnels.
0: Right, and then he gets. Um the aunt Maria to leave while he's yeah. before that it gets raided by uh, the, the rest of the cartel. And, Oh,
1: so he says, you know, she says, he says that he's, she's going, that she's going to go to stay with her sister for a few days. I'm going to presume that her sister is not in Mexico.
0: Good point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That would be ironic. Um, Mexico is
2: very bad.
0: And and really, this stuff at the end of the film with all the explosions and the rig traps is what most of the marketing, uh, I think, wisely focused on. Mm-hmm. And you do get big explosions. You do get all these traps. But it's so, I don't know, like it, it's almost too much, too quick. You almost want, right. more, you're almost expecting more of it. I mean, he does, he has these things where like these secret walls where he you know spikes will come out or he pokes the gun through and shoots a guy in the head like it is gory it's also dark uh, i think yeah. when the doors play that's just stupid stupid this, it is this. dumb
1: whole segment really is the movie at war with itself. Uh, because like you, you could have built some amazing tension with, with the, the peep, the army from the cartel going through these tunnels and being stalked and picked off one by one by, by Rambo. Um, but instead it is so, it is so fast. It's like somebody speed running a first person shooter. Um, Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, But, and, but, and like, well, something that really holds this back is to a point the way some of these traps work only work if Rambo can predict the future. (laughs) And like, like the one, the one that, the one that did it for me, that just made me disconnect from the scene is he's got like, we see him like drill some holes in the dirt walls and he has these big metal spikes. And there's a bit where like he, he jams the metal, he jams the metal spike through, uh, to to kill the one guy, then the other guy runs over to the first guy, and Rambo falls on the floor. There's he's he's made a little slot in the floor and just swings a machete through that slot to cut both the guys to cut the guy's feet off.
2: Yeah, it's and like, that, again, like you could easily have paid that off by like showing him looking at it like a shadow on the ground, but no, he just has those. You know, he can he like just, you said, he can predict the future. <laughs> he know yeah, he predicted that his leg would be just in that spot. But the thing, and and the thing
1: is, this I think. There is a lot going on in this scene because cuz what what is Rambo doing? Rambo is using all of the tunnel fighting techniques of the Viet Cong, the Viet Cong right. against these people. Like you know, we we see what are effectively punji sticks, we see toe poppers, we see all these we see all these things that that maimed and traumatized US troops in the Vietnam War being used against this drug cartel. And I, and I I feel like they're there, there could be something psychologically going on with with Rambo using these techniques to to fight off the the drug cartel, but it's not. It really is just kind of an excuse for for the the wanton violence. I don't think the movie is is trying to say anything.
2: That's the problem. Is that. Um... You know, there's – when you make, like, a a very violent film or making a statement on violence, say something like the original Straw Dogs – I hate that I have to say the original Straw Dogs – (laughs) or, you know, Dirty Harry or something like that. It's like it's always – at the end, it's, you know – it's like the end of The Searchers, you know. Like, the Indian guy he cursed in the beginning, he's doomed to wander between the winds forever. Whereas this, it's like, badass. You know what I mean? It's like, I finished my goal. You know, I achieved my goals here. Um, Also, the thing, too, I thought was – a bit squandered was that, like we were saying earlier, one of the most um, effective scenes is when he goes um, when he goes hammer time. And that's the thing is that if you want to make Rambo badass, make him badass because he's like, you know, a lethal machine with anything that's in arm's reach. Whereas in the end when it's like, okay, you've got shotguns, rifles, grenades. Of course you're a badass when you have shotguns, rifles, and grenades. But when you have, like, if you're away on some of the rock or a hammer or, you know, like the like the traps and stuff, made of like rebar and pipes was was pretty cool but again it's like you got a bunch of guns you know cool i guess
1: <laughs> guns and diesel fuel there's a lot of diesel fires yeah. Yeah. that it sets people on and so it's something something that that and and uh, and i, and I, and I realized that there's some awful film criticism just based around nitpicking apart like logical inconsistencies in film and yet with all the fire explosions and smoke I want to know what happens when his neighbors or like the sheriff drives by the <laughs> farm and sees all these dead bodies and all these drug
2: cartel vehicles. Like, right? What the Helps. hell, man?
0: Yeah, oh, and this caravan
2: so... like, of tricked out, you know, with <laughs> fifty dudes coming into a place. I,
0: like, I admit it was nice to see Rambo have the bow and arrow like he used yes. in the second and third films. Although yeah, he's pins... skilled yeah. with that. He pins the guy's arms and legs to the side of the barn and well, then sell out pin, his heart. Not only does he pin
1: them, but he pins him in exactly where the playing cards he was using for target practice were. Yes. So again, he predicted right. set the it up. future. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: a good old but he also, him pulling out the guy's heart and showing it to him before he dies. A heart that's still beating despite the fact of that course. it's been removed from a body.
2: <laughs>
1: a very but, dry yeah. heart despite the fact that he has
2: been removed from the body. That
1: was just preposterous.
2: Yeah. And like, I I thought it, I was like, what's he going to do? Carve his heart out, you know? And I was like, oh wait, no, he's actually going to carve his heart out. Like,
0: wow. And then Even worse, you know, you think he's, he's going to die sitting on his porch, kind of bleeding, nursing his wound, bleeding out. And, over the end credits, you see footage not just from the prior four Rambo films, but from this Rambo film you just watched, and it reveals he rides off into the sunset, that he's alive. <laughs> um, Stallone is on the record wanting to make a Rambo 6. Um, oh, yeah, sure. In theaters, this did about the same as the fourth one, which is not as good as Rocky did, but it still didn't do bad because the budget was low. And I think uh, maybe we will see a Rambo 6, despite the fact this is called Last Blood. And uh, with all that in mind, I think before we give our rankings, do you want to hear? Oh, go on, Thrasher. Well,
1: well, the the real and the thing that I could I could not believe is that after all the footage and after we see Rambo ride off into the sunset, uh, a caption comes up on the screen that says this film is dedicated to the brave COVID-19 viruses. How could this happen twice in one franchise? Wait, what? Okay, I'm joking. I'm making a reference to the Rambo 3 where it says the movie is dedicated to the brave Mujahideen fighters. I it's the
0: gallant, yeah, freedom (laughs) fighters of Afghanistan. On Apocrypals,
1: we talk about the parts of the Bible that a lot of people skip over. Like the wizard battles. The angel jacuzzis. A goat full of sins. 500 drunk elephants. And a man named Porky Party. And yes, that's all really in there. All this and more on Apocrypals every other week on the Greenlit Podcast Network. How does Bloodborne stack up against, say, Oregon Trail? And is Bomberman just Loadrunner from a different point of view? Find out on Hardcore Gaming 101's Top Games, where we objectively, definitively, and scientifically rank the games you nominate for our ever-growing list. HG101's Top Games, twice a week, every week, right here on Greenlit.
0: Before we give our our rankings for this sequel yes or sequel no, I, I want to talk about some of the different versions Stallone was developing for Rambo 5. I hope one of them's in outer space. Uh, close. So so one was going to be loosely based on the novel Hunter by James Byron Huggins, in which uh, Rambo goes to the Antarctic to fight a genetically engineered creature. Oh, I've heard of that one, yes. Yeah, that, sounds great. that never happened, but Stallone might make that as... Uh, he thought it was a bridge too far, even for Rambo, but he might do that as its own movie. We're um, <laughs> closely based on the book. He, at, at one point, he was working with David Morrell, who who wrote uh, the novel First Blood, and kind of a more unforgiven kind of take on Rambo, a more soulful uh, journey. But the financiers turned it down. They wanted him to do this pitch with the human trafficking in Mexico. Um, so there you go. I mean, it's, those are some different ideas they wanted to go with at one point. Uh, there was going to be a Rambo TV series that was a prequel that Stallone would have produced um, about him yeah. in Vietnam. And interestingly enough, they've only filmed the first one, but they plan to remake all five uh, Rambo movies as Bollywood movies.
2: I saw a poster for a Bollywood Mm -hmm. Rambo 2020, and I was like, yes, please,
0: why not? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it takes place in, you know, it's not a Vietnam veteran, but uh, yeah, I think you could really do something interesting with that and, and have a different person play the part. So whether we get another Rambo or not, I don't know. But I think Rambo, the fourth one, ended on such a good note. I was just to to see him do another Rambo, and this is what he does. I thought it was disappointing. I'll have to say a sequel, no. Yeah.
2: Um, I have to go with, like, you know, like I was saying, you when you do these excessively violent action movies, which I'm not ashamed to say I like violent movies. I have fun with it. Um there's really no like morality or introspection, and it also when you when you do this kind of level of action or violence, you you're doing this balancing act where you if you go too far, you veer dangerously close to being cartoonish. Like, uh you know, you go from straw dogs to like Monty Python, and I feel like this movie has a few too many Monty Python mo- moments in it too, where someone gets their head shot off and it's like silly, start laughing at it. Um, so yeah, sequel. No, there's some interesting bits, but it just felt um, heavy handed and kind of lazy and not borderline, but actually offensive to anyone from uh, uh, anyone of a uh, Latino culture heritage from uh, Mexico. Yeah,
1: as, as much as as much as I liked sort of some of the individual scenes of violence, and I was amazed at how far it went when he was interrogating that one member of the of the Martinez Brothers gang where he like literally rips a rib out of his right. body. Dis, despite despite like all all that, yeah, I, I've got I've I've got to give it a sequel. No, and like there's some there's some imagery in this movie involving a border wall that I found particularly distasteful. Um, mm. yeah this this there's too many missed opportunities in this movie. I, I've got oh, to yeah. give it a a sequel. No. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so I mean, let's do pitch a sequel. There's been so many Rambo sequels over the years. I think what what I would do is you know Rambo's getting pretty old. He, uh, I think I'd, I'd pick it up with him and Maria, maybe they're at, uh, at a retirement home and all of a sudden Rambo starts his, his psychotic break. He's had one too many. He starts thinking the other old folks in the old folks home are his, uh, or the, the Vietnamese coming back to life the Vietnamese that he killed coming back to life to kill him for all that he did in the Vietnam War. And so Rambo goes nuts trying to kill people in this old folks home while Maria tries to defend herself. And it would be uh, called, uh this is Last Blood, it would be Rambo Old Blood. <laughs> <laughs> and it would, you know, you'd have kind of this scene a montage, of course, of Rambo's like on a walker, he's kinda gimpy. And all of a sudden, like uh he raises an eyebrow, he uh he smashes the walker with his hands, he rips it in half, tosses it aside, and and takes out a knife and puts on the, the bandana. And it's like, oh shit, what are the old people gonna do? And yet some of these other old people, I think, in the old folks home are gonna be war veterans as well. So they'll have some tricks up their sleeves. So it'd be kind of like a horror movie with uh, Rambo as a bad guy.
1: <laughs> to win us. bingo, you gotta become bingo. Hey, you know?
0: Hey, these these eggs are cooked too much to my liking.
2: Hey, you know I like these hard-boiled eggs. They're a little too hard for me, you know.
0: Just just take the chicken, squeeze the chicken above my mouth. I like them fresh.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like I used to, you know, I worked out. I'd have the raw eggs, you know, and then I get some egg foo young. I put my feet in some, uh, in some uh, chairs, and I got my head stuck in a chair and some rubber bands, you know, having fun with the Pope, you know, barbecue.
0: Thrasher, what's your pitch sequel?
1: So I'm gonna do. I, I tried to come up with like Rambo working in a hospital, just so I could do like Rambo blood transfusion, but instead. You know what? No, I want Rambo to go to jail. So, (laughs) so, you know, you know, some sort of legal authority shows up and this barn looks too chaotic. And then they realize, oh, yeah, this is that Rambo that's been killing people for decades. I guess so. He's he's goes he goes to prison. He's sent to some fancy supermax prison. Uh, and it's Rambo, you know, trying, trying to navigate that environment. There's a crooked warden who, because I want there to be, there should be this sequel should be a little hack. The warden is in fact related to General Troutman. He's like Troutman's brother or cousin or something. So there's a warden Troutman. And uh, you know Rambo gets involved in some underground fighting ring, being run uh, out of the, uh, being run out of the uh, the prison, uh, and then eventually there is going to be a prison wide riot. And you know Rambo just wants to serve out his term in peace. So it's Rambo just murdering people to survive uh, in the prison. But you know in the end, what the hell? Everyone in the prison will be dead, including Warden Troutman, and so finally he'll be alone, and it'll end with him locking himself back in his cell to enjoy peace and quiet.
2: rambo lockdown we'll call it i like it and alex Uh, um so uh dismayed and 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 um upset rambo decides that he wants to start like a like a badass training camp so he makes these flyers um unknowingly uh that uh the autocorrect so instead of rambo's badass camp it says rainbow badass camp so a bunch (laughs) of hippies think it's a it's a rainbow gathering so then uh, John Rambo finds himself surrounded by hippies, and um, once they realize what is violent past and is, you know, traumas in the, in the previous uh, wars, um, they decide to teach him, uh, they, they, they formulate this uh, kind of non-lethal way to incapacitate people, and um, they kind of start this, like, camp out there, and um, then, uh, you know, after shacking up with the, the, the hippies, um, you know, Rambo has a surrogate family now, and... Um, then these uh, you know, shoddy developers wanna, you know, bulldoze the farm and, and put up uh condominiums so they uh peacefully resolve their uh struggle through the uh land developers and it's called um Rambo Last Blood but for real this time. <laughs> it's like okay. Billy Jack's Rambo.
0: I mean that's something we never did in the show. We never did do Billy Jack. I think we talked about it. There's what, four oh, yeah. of those? The, yes, and then there's uh, there's a whole lot of those walk tall movies cuz they did a bunch oh, yeah. of remakes and uh sequels. I have to consider that. That's uh something to think about. That's for sure. Um okay.
1: Do due, due to the terms of the curse, we can't stop doing the show until we've done all sequels.
0: I all don't know about that, but okay.
1: <laughs> Why don't you stop making sequels?
0: Just stop it. <laughs> Never out of our misery okay so uh, we're uh on to what you're watching i've been on a documentary kick i watched a documentary about a book series i think probably uh, all three of us um enjoyed uh, it's called scary stories the story of the books that frightened the generation Ooh, cool so this is about the scary stories to tell in the dark uh book um what i Yeah. And what I didn't realize is that the author of those books, you know, he wrote like 50 books in a 30 year period. A lot of a lot of folklore, because, I mean, what's in those what's adapted in scary stories is the uh, folklore from all around the world. And Alvin Schwartz was the author. The author died, unfortunately, um, pretty young. He was only 64 years old when he died. So they do a lot of talking to his widow, uh, to his, his son, and to his grandson. Uh, and they talk to a lot of fans of, of the books that have tattoos of them or that did artwork inspired by the books. That's less interesting. Uh, they do talk to R.L. Stein, who wrote Goosebumps and all that stuff, which I thought was pretty interesting. And they get into quite a lot of the uh, censorships of how this book was banned from school libraries and there was like even a hearing on C-SPAN about, about these books and about Goosebumps stuff being banned. I think they had to tie in the Goosebumps stuff a little bit just because there isn't a whole lot to go on when the illustrator of those books refuses to do press and the original author is dead. Mm. Like, like what else do you do? Right. It's just kind of, um, so it's, it's okay it's not great they there's a really neat thing where a guy does um sculptures based off the illustrations of the book that are pretty good that's cool so i mean maybe watch watch clips but i think you're you're better off googling scary story fan art I, i i learned a bit but not as much as i really wanted to and I don't know. Anytime these documentaries get too much into the fan material, I just get kind of bored because there's five million videos like that on YouTube on any topic. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's gonna get old quick.
0: <laughs> I don't think I ever read the third Scary Stories collection, though. Uh, Thrasher, do you have any thoughts of those books or?
2: Well, I remember
1: it's 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 something that I did I want to go back and and like read as as an adult because i know i know as a kid i tried to read it and it did freak me out and i also remember uh i also remember i think for like halloween in like first or second grade like a teacher read one of the stories in that book and it freaked me the heck out and like it's it's just something it's it's something i'd like to reconnect to and it is amazing the the staying power that that book has
0: Mm. what a artwork
1: is so iconic
0: Oh sure, yeah. And I I do appreciate how uh, they do go into one of the stories in the collections that's more humorous, called the the Viper. Oh, about, uh, a guy who wipes, you know, this lady's in the the place, and she hears like. I'm the Viper. I'm the Viper. And you know, what's this? What's this? And she goes to the door and it's just this guy with a squeegee. He's like, I'm the window Viper. I want to wipe your windows. I
1: want to vipe and wash the windows. Yeah. Which there's an episode of GI Joe based around that very premise.
0: Is it, yeah, sure. Um, it's, it's
1: a, I don't remember the name. It's a fascinating episode though, because I think it's burnout is his name. He's the firefighter member of GI Joe. Like he, he's got, he's bought like a condo and he's having a party and, with like the with the G.I. Joe's, and he keeps getting these phone calls with, I am the Viper, and he always <laughs> says something, and they assume that it's like threatening calls from Cobra, and so whenever they act on the intelligence they get from these phone calls, they discover a secret Cobra operation. But then, of course, at the end, I am the Viper, and I am here, and they all freak out, they get their weapons out, they open the door, yeah, and it's a little old man. He's like, I'm here to wash and wipe your windows. And you know you get the whole thing, but what's amazing is that Burnout is like is uh, is coded to be gay, and he he has so many bits of dialogue that are double entendres that only make sense if the character is gay.
0: Yeah, you didn't see a whole lot of that back then, or at least not on purpose. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, there was lots of stuff getting in under the radar back in those days.
0: Right. I mean, I, I've heard people say you know, uh, Starscream and Megatron were a couple, um, or <laughs> not a Destro. couple. No, Destro and Cobra Commander. Uh, So, I mean, who knows? You have to to see what uh, people make their conclusions. But, yeah, there's certainly stuff going on the the radar, that's for sure. Uh, Alex, what's something you've been watching?
2: Um, I've been doing a deep dive on... It's really cool. i got a collection of the BBC uh, Ghost Stories uh, for Christmas Hmm. series. And every year it started back in... um, the uh, Omnibus series um, where they did an M.R. James adaptation of uh, the short story Uh, Whistle and I'll Come to You and it's so terrific and creepy and moody and it was was so well received they started doing one every year and they're usually um, adaptations of M.R. James stories which are really cool have a lot of like you know religious iconography and um, are very kind of like they're very folksy and um, they're folksy in like I guess a weird way a little more um modern in his storytelling i mean modern for him is of course you know yesteryear um <laughs> like you know turn of the century stuff but uh really creepy stuff so you get these different like uh you know uh rev- revisions of like uh of, of gothic traditions and um just really cool stuff so uh, a few of them i mean you can find them on youtube this collection's really uh thorough though So there's one, uh, Whistle and I'll Come to You, which is one of the more well-known ones. Um, The Signalman with uh, Denholm Elliott, which is actually a Dickens adaptation. So they're really cool. They're like these half-hour, 40-minute long um, ghost stories made for the BBC, but they are so terrifying um, and definitely worth checking out. I think they're terrific.
0: And how many of them would you say there are in the collection? I'd say
2: there's like probably 13. Um, they did revise it in the twenty tens, I think, and there's a really good one of um Whistle and I'll come to you with starring John Hurt
0: in hmm. the lead. It's really and, cool. Right. And you know, the, the BBC has such a long uh, rich tradition of having um like Christmas episodes of shows. Yeah, yeah. That it that it makes sense um that it would be that way. So Um, this something up on my computer. Ah, okay. Anyway. Um, what am I saying here? Yeah. Cool. 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 Uh, have you seen any of those Thrasher? It sounds like something you'd be into.
1: No, but it sounds fascinating. Yeah.
0: Uh, what's something you've yeah, been yeah, watching? watching
1: really cool. so, so I decided to, uh, and this would be a two parter cause I'm going to be talking about the next two films, uh, next week. Okay. So I decided to reconnect with one of, uh, one of my, uh, first great science fiction loves, uh, I watched the first two of the four Tales from a Parallel Universe movies, also known as Lex, The Dark Zone Stories, also known as Lex Season 1. Starring Paul Donovan! Oh, sorry, no, Paul Donovan was a co-creator. Starring Brian Downey, Eva Haberman, and Michael McManus.
0: So, I mean, this is a series. I would always see random DVDs of this when I worked at a used uh, video store. Is it? Does it have an overarching plot, or is it kind of like Tales from the Crypt, where each one's kind of a standalone story no, it, with it? ending? It
1: does. I mean that that's what that's what's fascinating about about. So it, it would come to be known as as Lex because when it was first, when the first what is referred to as the first season is four TV movies. Um, but you can tell, like rewatching these, you can tell they clearly wanted to make a TV series. So one of the 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 downsides of, of you know quote unquote season one is that they is that each of these movies has enough material for a really solid hour of television that they have to pad out to about one and a half to two hours. But one of the the fascinating things is that each season. Even though it's the same characters in kind of the same situation, they have different thematic arcs. So this first season, it really is all about fatalism and living in an inherently chaotic universe and just sort of the illusions of control that people build. And strangely enough, that's told with a, a sci-fi sex comedy. Because um, it's, uh, it's... Like, imagine somebody trying to make a science fiction story but purposefully making all the worst worst possible decisions Uh, because it, what, what it's, you know, quote unquote about uh, is that it's about, uh, it's about a, uh, a, a incompetent security guard, uh, a dead assassin and a uh, sex slave who nevertheless have control of the greatest dooms, the most powerful weapon of destruction in the two universes as, as it says, and the Doomsday Weapon itself has the intelligence of a dog and behaves kind of like that. And it's just them navigating this chaotic universe, having a series of tragedies inflicted upon them. Weird. Tragicomic uh, things, I should say. But, so, so the, first two, uh, the first two movies are called I Worship His Shadow, which kind of sets everything up. And, uh, and
2: Supernova. And Supernova stands out because Tim Curry is in it. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. I was like that's got to be Tim Curry.
0: Yeah, so is Tim this Curry... something where the whole series uh did get released on DVD?
2: Uh yeah, it was released in the
1: so it has a really complicated release history because the 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 season 1 the movies were a Canadian and German co-production and I think it was like the Showtime Networks had the exclusive north american release for it so when it became a series the series was on the sci-fi channel but the sci-fi channel couldn't show the movies that that set the whole series up so they actually had to do a special that explained what the fuck this show was um (laughs) and also because of that you could only get the vhs tapes and the original dvds if you got them through a distributor for rental movies so you had to pay like $80 because you had to pay like the rental licensing fee to get them. They would eventually be get a wide release and the Sci-Fi Channel would eventually show the movies. But they had to wait for the contract, for Salter Street Films contract with Showtime Networks to end. Um, and it was a released in one of those things where like it would be like four episodes per DVD Recently, a complete collection was released on DVD, and as near as I can tell, the complete collection are the original European cuts of the movies and the episodes. So some nudity is restored, and certain events, particularly in the movies, are out of chronological order, but in an intentional way. Interesting but like but it's just so it's just so bizarre and like so yeah so like the first the first season is all about fatalism the second season is about actively de- deconstructing how sci-fi television works uh and every episode is essentially some hoary old premise that's been done to death on Star Trek but done in the most weird and twisted way uh And there's also an episode that makes fun of slasher films that is brilliant where they find a spaceship full of summer campers in cryostasis who start fucking and getting high on the lex, And then a slasher shows up and starts murdering them. But, like, it looks like nothing else on television. Like, they had a rule. No right angles. And there are no right angles anywhere in this series. And it gives you such a visual impression. And Marty Simon, who does the music... It doesn't sound like anything, and there's this real intentional thing of using as much organic sound in the uh, in the music as possible. So there's all these weird gurgles and insect chirps. Uh, this the uh, third season is all this weird morality play and this like di- dissection of what good and evil is and whether the distinction matters. And the fourth season, which is the ultimate mindfuck, is the fourth season premiere reveals that the entire series took place thousands of years in the past, and the last season is these characters go to 20th century Earth. And they have to deal, and what's great is they have to deal with Earth during the first year of the Bush administration. It is very much anchored in that time.
0: How odd. Uh, Alex, can you unplug and re your headset?
1: Oh, and if I can just talk about Tim Curry. Tim Curry is great he plays the, he plays a character simply called poet, man. Who's a poet who, when his poem planet got evacuated, he was too hung over and missed the evacuations or he was just abandoned on his own planet. And was so resentful that like he would leave holographic recordings of himself. So like wherever they go, a hologram, Tim Curry shows up and recites some poetry and starts making insulting comments about the people who he used to live with. Uh, and it gets really tr- like gr- weird when it turns out he saved his sperm and has rigged this impregnation trap so that he can have a child <laughs> after his death. But it's it's just but it's great Tim Curry acting. There's this whole bit where he just shows up in the middle of a room and recites this poet all this poetry about about love, and then he just looks at the camera or he doesn't look at the camera, but he looks at the characters and goes, "You wouldn't believe the amount of ass I got
2: with that one." So no matter what, you're guaranteed Tim Curry every episode. Well, you're
1: guaranteed Tim Curry in Supernova, the second movie. Okay. But it's a great, it's a perfect Tim Curry performance. Although it's weird. They like Barry Boswick is in the first movie. Uh, the uh, third movie, it's the guy from Hobo with the shotgun. Okay, cool. Uh, the, oh, what's, the, what's his name? The German actor. Hauer? Oh, Rucker he Hauer. Died. Yeah, Rucker, died, Rucker Hauer. The, the fourth movie's Malcolm McDowell. They okay. would they would get guest stars in the later seasons, but it was mostly weird syndicated television people.
2: Interesting, and yeah, Rucker Howard did pass away. Yeah.
1: yeah, but it's 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 a fascinating series. There is nothing else like it. Uh, you don't normally see this much fatalism on American television. So if okay. if only for that, definitely check it out. Um, like but but like be be warned this series will test you but if you can get through the Space Hillbilly episode you can get through anything that this series can throw at you and it's not that the Space Hillbilly episode is bad uh it's that it is it is it is attacking you it is attacking you psychologically but it's a perfect send up of exploitation movies wow but yeah so the first two, but yeah the first two movies they they overall hold up the only thing that kind of hurts them is the padding that they have to insert
2: yeah
0: yeah it looks like one of the current uh, complete series versions crams it all on uh, nine DVDs yeah
1: and and they serve and like the cover the cover is not an accurate representation of the series. Malcolm McDowell's on the cover. He's only in the fourth movie. Uh, they try to make them the main character Kai. They try to make him look like a Highlander style badass. He is not. <laughs>
0: They even show it looks like people sword fighting on a cliff or something.
1: Well, that does happen, but that's like such a minor thing. That's like one episode late in the fourth season.
0: There's a spaceship in the corner. I mean, yeah, it's trying to look like Highlander with spaceships or something. Yeah, according to the, it cover most certainly art. is not. <laughs> that's funny how they do it. Because yeah, I, I'm looking at the older boxes. I remember these. It has all the sexy women on the cover. Yeah, okay. you,
1: usually Ava Haberman or Zena Seaberg. But uh, <laughs> it's also weirdly quotable. Like, I just I still there's a line that still just makes me chuckle. Like, what kind of a robot are you? The kind of robot that wants to live in your
0: underpants.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it makes mean, sense if you've seen this, if you've seen it, don't worry. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Very good. Speaking of Malcolm McDowell, I have to recommend... On Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal po- Podcast, they uh, spoke to Malcolm McDowell, and it was so long, they spread it over two episodes.
1: Oh, I heard they did that.
0: And and they did a lot of, uh, especially in the second episode, they have a lot of good Caligula stories, and Malcolm McDowell is talking about doing that as a one-man show. Oh,
2: my goodness. Oh, that would be good money to see that.
0: He, I, I love that he says that uh, John Gielgud, uh is in it you know and and he ran into john gilgood in new york when i think they both were filming something and gilgood is like oh the caligula is fantastic i've seen it three times paid for it twice myself and then (laughs) and then the studio uh kind of cracked down on on actors talking positively about the movie because of its association with um the uh penthouse uh yeah with Guccione. and so afterwards you know uh Gilgood said, oh, terrible film, terrible film. Mm -hmm, But um, but yeah, there's just a lot of crazy stories. And I I mean, that was really Malcolm McDowell got to work with a lot of really great British actors, a lot of whom are no longer with us. So I think he's still continues to have quite, you know, the busy career, although right now he seems a bit bored with the COVID stuff, understandably. Um, Anyhow. So next time on Sequel Cast 2, we'll be looking at a series we've been wanting to do, I think, for a while. I kind of thought they'd do a remake or something, which is why I didn't do it earlier, but that never came to pass. It is the Crow uh, series, which oh, I believe yes. is okay. four films. And you can tell this is a beloved series because you can get all four on DVD, I think, for under $10. Um, that's how you can tell its quality. But no, I, I think I've actually never seen any of these movies. I've always meant to. I've never read the comic book either. I I did see an episode of the Shudder series Cursed um, about Crow talking about um, with people that were there and how they dealt with the unfortunate accident that killed uh, Brandon Lee, the lead. Um, It seems like every time, every sequel to this movie is kind of like a soft reboot. Have you seen any of these before Thrasher?
1: I've, I have seen the first film And that's it. I'm going to make a point to try to track down the comic book, though, because I really want to compare it to the source material.
0: Right. I mean, this is if you knew any goth kids in the 90s, every one Uh, of them loved The Crow. It's Alex Porreus, the director. He later did Dark City, did a lot of other neat stuff. Um, it, It is one of these things, I think, that's a touchstone that maybe people nowadays don't know as much about. They were trying to remake this with like James McAvoy and stuff like that. It just never quite Happened for whatever reason, and I'm not sure why.
2: There's a lot of superstition around um, mm. the the production, but also, um, for instance, like the superstition around Bruce Lee's untimely death. As also followed because Alexander Fu Sheng, um, a very popular actor in Hong Kong, moved into his house, and he also died a very young death, and he was a very much an oh, star. Okay. So there's a lot of bad juju around the Lee family and the Crow, and both the uh, Bruce and Brandon Lee's fate. It's a, it's strange. I think that might have something to do with it. I mean, it might be a, it might be a reach, but there is like a kind of a legacy of, of yeah, of course, a bad juju around the whole thing. Yeah.
0: And I think in, in one of these sequels, uh, or no, maybe in the TV show, And one of these I think it's Mark DeSaskos is the lead. It might be in the TV show, but he ended up being the Iron Chef for the American Iron Chef show. Oh, okay, cool. And, and he was also in the Double Dragon movie. Maybe he's one of the movies, too. I'm not quite sure. But, yeah, this should be interesting to go through these. It's kind of Halloween-y, I guess. I, I don't know yeah. if they're more action or spooky or, or what have spooky.
2: you. it's a little action, yeah. Yeah,
0: so I it kind of fits the bill. Um, I think it's better than going back and doing like the six remaining Hellraiser movies, right? <laughs> but oh, that'll happen at some point, I'm sure. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at m a t w b t.
1: You can follow me on Twitter at Internet Mayor. Also. By the time this episode drops, the Puppy Dragon Enamel Pin Kickstarter will probably be in its final days, so uh, be sure to check that out. Just uh, follow the link on my Twitter profile at @internetmayor, uh or, uh, or the, my pin tweet, or just search for Puppy Dragon Enamel Pins, but get in while you can.
0: Did you hit your goal?
1: Yes, actually, yes, we did. I, I should have mentioned Go that, yeah, we have, we are funded, so now it's all about those sweet, sweet stretch goals, and you can make those happen.
0: Very great. Sure. Um, Alex?
2: You can find me on the Twitter at CrabNebula1914, and there's some fun stuff on my YouTube channel called The Trailer Project.
0: Great. And, uh, yeah, leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app. Uh, you can hear us on you know, Stitcher, on uh, Spotify, on the Apple Podcast app. Um, I just submitted us to, I guess, Amazon is doing maybe having podcasts on Audible now or something like that. So I just submitted us to that. Whatever that's going to be. So, um, yeah, wherever you can find podcasts, you can listen to us and listen to our big uh, backlog. I'm slowly adding episodes to the backlog, but, I mean, we have over 275 episodes at sequelcast2.com. So there's a lot, but there's... I think we just got to the halfway point of the original episodes, and that's not including the specials and the commentaries and all that stuff. Fun. Yeah. Um... All right, so we're doing uh, for a first sequel. Oh, we have to do this scene. How could I forget?
2: Uh, oh, yeah. This so this something. scene,
1: there are three... Vo- there, there, so if it's a scene for three parts if you can accept narration as being a part. So... Or the screen directions as being a part. So what I thought would be funny is... there. I thought would be funny. I'm sure we'll, we will be proved wrong. But if we all did a Stallone, if we did Stallone doing stage directions, Stallone as Rambo and Stallone as Hugo Martinez.
2: I, I think it's great. Oof. And this, uh, yeah, this dialogue, oof, oof, moron. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, who wants to do
1: which Stallone?
2: <laughs> so the uh, stuff in parentheses would be its own thing. And then Stallone's dialogue would be another Stallone.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) let's let's restate the premise again for the people listening at home. (laughs)
0: I'll I'll tell you what I'll
1: do the I'll do the stuff in parentheses. I'll do the Stallone stage directions. So that would that make me um, Stallone Stallone? Yep, and that would make uh, that would make uh, Matt uh, Stallone Martinez. (laughs) <laughs> all right. So this is, and so this is, uh, in the tunnels after Rambo has slaughtered the rest of the uh, the rest of the cartel, and it's just Hugo Martinez left. So, the Hugo on walkie-talkie after killing all of Hugo's men.
2: They're all dead, all of them. I could have killed you ten times,
1: but I saved you last.
0: Sorry, I'm on mute. Fuck you. <laughs> no, fuck you, dead
2: man. I want you to feel my rage, my hate. When I reach into your chest, it will out your heart like you did mine.
1: In Spanish.
0: Jodete, et tu pera tambien.
1: You want to live? Follow the lights! Detonates tunnels. Ba-boom! I didn't know we were gonna get actual Spanish from you, Matt. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, yeah I did some quick googling. I it, it's not the same as what they use in the film, but <laughs> machine translated cursing. I, I, your mileage may vary. So I knew
2: uh, I knew Tom Bien meant too. So that was yeah. when I yeah I was like, "Ooh, direction, yeah." To Mama, Tom it Was uh, I remember that scene? I was like. They 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 each said "fuck you" to each other like twice. I'm like, that's so creative. <laughs> <laughs> God, literally ripped out the guy's heart.
0: <laughs> so there, yeah. There's a um, on the on the DVD, there's like a kind of documentary of a lot of on the set footage, and there's one of them prepping the scene that's just very funny unintentionally, where the actor playing Hugo Martinez just has like prop arrows in his. <laughs> feet and hands just kind of going okay where do you want me to be <laughs> where do you want me to be on the set that sounds
1: like the actually the title of a documentary about just like some old hollywood star
2: starlet like okay where do you want me to be yeah <laughs> oh man there's a great quote from uh joe Spinell, and he said um about about Sylvester stallone he says Yankee we plays. He's an artist of calculating intelligence and good humor. And a lot of the violence in, that the audience takes from at face value in these rainbow pictures, that sly satirical response to the excessive taste of the marketplace, um, I thought was an interesting bit of business there.
0: I... Yeah, I don't know. It's I,
2: Maybe that was true in the 80s when <laughs> Joe Spinell was still around.
0: Could have been. We'll have to see if there's a Rambo 6. Uh, who knows? All right. So for for sequel cast two, uh, the next time we'll be talking about the Crow film, starting with the original, the Crow. Um, sequel cast two. This is Matt.
2: <laughs> this is Thrasher. And this is Alex. Sane. I, don't know, I think you make pretty good
1: horse trainer, you know.
2: Hey, you know, kids stay in school. Uh, don't go to Mexico and keep drinking
1: that muscle milk. i know, keep you right up. You know, hey, it's 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 you know it's it's, it's whack to do crack, you know. Yeah, you You, know, you can
0: okay. get you can get some my protein pudding, banana flavor I don't know that just sounds like a drunk man. That doesn't sound <laughs> <awesome>.
1: <laughs> You know, you want what you want to do? You wanna you wanna eat like three knives a day. You eat three <laughs> knives, it's good for
2: you. Yeah, don't swallow a roll of nickels, it's real bad though, you know, it's bad for your health, it's not like potassium. If potassium, you ever have a talk right. show, don't set it on fire.
1: Yeah. Have you yeah. ever
0: seen uh, Paradise Alley? No, that was no. Stallone's directorial debut he did after rocky it's about three italian brothers in the 1920s in new york and they do wrestling and okay. and he sings the opening uh theme song
2: oh, oh my wow. goodness now that is going on
0: someday going on. you got paradise <laughs> Some, it's, it's...
1: you know what we need we need an episode where, where rambo tries to reconnect with his brother or his brother tries to reconnect with him and it can be frank stallone and he can be a musician oh totally I wrote a song. I wrote a song about my brother Rambo. Get it back. And do, 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 and take it back. Do, 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 do.